Verse 1 of chapter 17. It's about 2000 BC. This is the father of faith, Abraham. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, when we did chapter 15 last week, and we talked about this, where God made the promise to Abram. He said, look at the stars. If you could count them, your descendants would be more than that. And we're told that Abram believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And we talked about this. That verse is so important, Genesis 15, 6, because it's a type of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the church has been telling people for 2,000 years, every tongue, tribe, and nation, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved from your sins and you'll pass from death to life. If you're if you'll confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And we're told that if anyone be in Christ or a new creation, old things have passed away, all things are new. We're told in Adam all sin and die, but in Christ all are made alive. We pass from condemnation in Adam to justification, and it's through faith. So the church has a message where we preach faith in Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. That's the message of the church for 2,000 years from the day of Pentecost. They're in the book of Acts, chapter 2. But we realize in the Old Testament, before Christ came, that everything's a shadow of Christ and pointing toward Christ. And that text last week, where God promised Abraham something beyond him, and Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he believed God, he just believed the promise, and because he believed the promise, God said, you're righteous, not because he was a good person or did good things. He didn't earn righteousness. He received it. And this is the same for us through faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to heaven because of our faith in Jesus Christ, believing in who he is, what he's done, and laying hold of the promises. We're not, no one's going to be in heaven when we get there because we earned our way. We're going to get there and be there, and everyone there is there because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it was in the last moment of life, like the thief on the cross, or it was a fruitful life given out over serving the Lord your entire life, like Pastor John Corson in Applegate, Oregon, or something like that, or Pastor Chuck Smith. But in this text of 15.6, that he believed the Lord was accounting for righteousness, that verse is affirmed, as I mentioned last week, three times for the gospel. So it's a shadow of the gospel. It's we're told in Colossians that the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. So there's a shadow. And then as the Spirit interprets the Bible and Scripture interprets Scripture, this verse is brought forward three different times in the New Testament for the gospel. This is important tonight because I draw your attention to this verse where he says, verse 3 through that middle part we just read, Then Abram fell on his face. And God talked to them, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So here he gets the name change from Abram to Abraham, a head father to a father of nations. 
It's a name change. But to understand this passage more clearly, because here we're looking at it in black and white. It's like we're listening to it on an 8-track player in a car in the 70s, like a Scooby-Doo van. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at this verse as it's interpreted for us in surround sound, in technicolor. Because this verse is quoted for us in Romans chapter 4 for the gospel of grace concerning Jesus Christ. And this is important that we understand it as it applies to us theologically for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then in application for our lives this day because this is our time on the planet and has an application for us. So in Romans chapter 4, when the Holy Spirit was guiding Paul to explain that we're saved by faith, that Father Abram was saved by faith according to grace, He's in some deep thought, but we're going we're gonna to kind of jump into the middle of it. And I'm going to read to you from verse 16 of chapter 4, Romans, where he's explaining that Abram was not saved because he did good works according to the flesh. He was saved because he believed the promises of God. In fact, that text from Genesis 15, 6 is what started Romans chapter 4. And now, as Paul is being led by the Holy Spirit to explain our salvation through faith in Jesus, now he's pulling from Genesis 17 about being the father of many nations in understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. So stay with me. Verse 16 of Romans 4 is now going to interpret the text we just read in Genesis 17. Therefore, because it is of faith that Abram is saved according to grace, so that the promises, that is the promises of God, would be sure to all the offspring or the seed, not only to those who are of the law, that is the Jews of the Old Testament, but also those who have faith of Abram, Abraham, who is the father of us all. See, the gospel came to the Jew first through Jesus Christ and to the Jewish nation. And then the church took the gospel in obedience to Jesus Christ, go make disciples of all nations, to all. And in the Old Testament, God prophesied time and time again that the good news was for all nations, even though Israel was a select nation with a covenant with him at that time for 1,500 years. Okay? So he's the father of us all. Verse 16, Romans 4. As it is written, and now we're quoting, the Holy Spirit's quoting the text we just read tonight. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed, God, he gives, that is, God gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do, who contrary to hope in hope believe, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So, when God made this promise that we just read in Genesis 17, Abram has had the promise for decades and nothing's happened. He's not one step closer to those promises on this day. With his wife not able to have children, it was going to have to be supernatural in the first place. But because God can call those things that aren't that as if they are, he can just keep on giving the promises decade after decade without seeing any of it come to pass. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. So here's our father Abraham, the father of the Christian faith, living by faith in Genesis 17, decade after decade, a lot of birthday parties, coming to the land at 75, and now we saw in that text that he's 99. That's 24 years. He does not have the son. He physically... Time, space, and matter is not one. In fact, there's not even conception yet for Isaac, the son of promise. He is not one physical 
cell of time, space, and matter closer to those promises being real to him physically, tangibly, than the day he left Ur of Chaldeans. This is really important. Our God's so awesome. We're going to come back to that, how the promises keep getting better. He has not failed. Now, Hagar, Ishmael, look, the human experience is the human experience. And we got things we're stoked about. We got things we're very embarrassed about. And there's a lot of good Christian songs on the radio that sing about all that, all the above. To those who you can blame, those who are broken down, those, you know, like it just goes on and on. The human experience is very messy on a good day. That's why we're saved by faith according to grace. That Genesis 17 text we read, and now the Holy Spirit, 2,000 years later, interpreting it for us, that what God did, he gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. He doesn't have one descendant according to the promise. He doesn't even have conception according to the promise. His wife is past menopause. Everything's past the natural. It's all God and his promises. Just like we can't raise ourselves from the grave and we can't save ourselves and justify ourselves before God in heaven. It is Christ who gives us the hope. It is Christ who's the resurrection and the life. It is Christ who's our good shepherd. And it is Christ who will justify us on the day of the Lord before the Father. You see, that's, that's, the, that's the fullness of this story for us this day, the Church of Jesus Christ, which, of course, needless to say, separates us from any other organization, if you will, on this planet. We are not a political party or a philosophy of men. We are the living organism of God, God's kingdom on earth, the church. And we're yoked to Abram, who became Abraham, and Sarai, who became the mother of us all. Sarah, that's who we are. Now, Romans 4 goes on. So not being weak in faith, verse 19, Romans 4. When, this, when God said, I'm God Almighty, you walk before me blameless, we are told that Abraham was not weak in faith. Almost three decades, not one step closer to the, the dream, the promise, to seeing it. He is not weak in faith. In fact, the longer he's gone on without seeing, the stronger his faith has gotten. We read on in Romans Verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he, that is God, had promised that he, God, was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted for righteousness. See, if you look in the mirror when you're 99 and you're waiting on a baby, I think if you think you're the guy that's going to make it happen and your wife of 90 who is past menopause isn't, I mean, you just, you'd be discouraged. And don't you get discouraged when you look in the mirror long enough? And the day you look in the mirror and you're proud of yourself, just give it a week or so, you'll look again and you'll be embarrassed and humiliated by yourself. The mirror just tells it the way it is, you know. All those days and weeks and months and seasons and day plan after day plan after day planner and phone upgrade after phone upgrade after phone upgrade. And yet the promise was there all along and his faith got stronger in that promise, though he had nothing more on the day of Genesis 17 than when he left Ur the Chaldeans, Genesis 12. He had nothing more to put that to God's faithfulness that he had seen other than he just believed God because God kept reaffirming the promises. It's amazing, and we're going to application in a moment on this. 
So we read on in verse 23 of Romans 4. Now it was not imputed for his sake alone. In other words, his righteousness being declared right there isn't just for Abraham. But also for us. WG. Para nosotros. For us. This night, we join the church. We are the church. And we join all the previous generations. And as we pass the baton to future generations that come behind us as the Lord tarries, this story of Genesis 17, this story of Abraham, it is for us. It is for us and our faith in Jesus. It is written for us that that righteousness shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. You see, the great news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins is he is delivered up for our offenses, every one of them, past, present, future. Don't you look at that cross and say, you did something more that that cross doesn't cover because Christ did not die in vain and the Father did not send him in vain. He paid the price for everything. And while humanity might remind you, the devil might remind you of all your failures, the court system might remind you of all your failures, Jesus Christ, and you might owe society a debt, but Jesus Christ paid it all in full. And when he said it's finished, it is finished. So when we think to this statement, he was delivered up because of our offenses, the people we love and pray for, the people we care about, the people who hate you, the people who persecute you, the people who mock you that you know and don't know. He was delivered up for our offenses and their offenses. And the ultimate mark of maturity going forward in this journey is the ability to forgive people as you've been forgiven. It's like uh, being fluent in a language. You can be if you know a few words in a language, you can be legally proficient, but to be legally fluent is a whole other matter. And it's a legal classification to be considered fluent in a language for various government jobs and other companies. You can speak a couple words as a Christian of the kingdom, or you can be proficient in the Christian experience and knowing that God's faithful in your life. But how about being fluent? How about like being fluent in Mandarin like Luke, my son, where you can read it, the characters, thousands of them, you can have political conversations about Chinese politics with Chinese people in Mandarin. That's how we want to be with Jesus. Because he was delivered up for our offenses. And that's all that matters in the human experience is that we know him as the Savior who paid the price for our offenses. Jesus Christ died for us. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And he's raised for our justification. And if you've ever heard me give altar calls, and I still do them sometimes, not here usually because I almost always know everybody in the room. But when I give an invitation and I pray with people, I pray the prayer that he was raised for our justification. See, the empty tomb, and it is empty. There's no DNA of Jesus in the earth on planet earth. And whether that empty tomb is the one by the Arab bus stop in East Jerusalem or a different one, I'm telling you, that tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. And that empty tomb affirms our justification. It affirms everything he said, or as Billy Graham used to say, he's liar, lunatic, or Lord. Because he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he said, 
I have power to lay down my life and raise it back up. And he said, I'll raise my life. The only sign that I'll give to the nation of Israel is as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days in the grave. We know from Matthew chapter 28, the Pharisee said, he said he'll rise on the third day. So we gotta, you got to seal the tomb there, Pilate, or, or his, his fanatical friends are going to say that he's risen and come take his body. And what did Pilate say? You seal it as good as you know how. There wasn't one army in human history or all the armies in human history gathered together couldn't keep Jesus in that tomb. Any more so when they gathered Armageddon, they can keep Jesus from establishing his kingdom in the new kingdom coming. Our offenses on the cross are justification with the empty grave. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteous of God. And it all goes back to, to Abram, that from you will be a father of nations, a shadow of things to come, like surfing on a wood board in the 30s versus a contemporary board. It's just a shadow of things to come, but the fullness, whatever analogy will help you grasp that, is the fullness is in Christ. And it's all based upon, this is crucial, it is all based upon salvation alone through faith in Jesus Christ. And the promise that God will save us through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel message. This is the message of the church for 2,000 years. This is the message of what we call the evangelical church on this planet today. Because, of course, there's many churches that don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe he's the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way. And they don't believe that people are condemned they need a Savior. But that's not my problem. That's theirs for time and eternity. And I don't even have a problem with it. It's just their deal. This is the age of choice and self-determination. But in this house, we know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're singing these songs with Bobby and Sophie. And Jack will come on Tuesday. And then Danny D will come next Saturday. And we're just elevating the king. And we're just proclaiming the kingdom for the king before he comes. Now, back to Abram. The foundation is a promise without any tangible thing to, to have seen it come to pass. Because faith is the substance things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen, like the miracle baby and our glorified body with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or Jesus coming back, the second coming. Either way, we're going, we're going to glory. We're being transformed from glory to glory. So it's a promise, promises. You have all of them in Jesus, or you have none of them outside of Jesus. So we receive Jesus, we have all the promises. We talked about this last week. It was the application, the universality, if there is such a word, I suppose I should look it up, but universal is a word. So there's a universal element of the promises of God for every believer in Christ, planet-wide right now, for hundreds of thousands of people born again in the Holy Spirit, speaking thousands of languages in 24 different time zones right now, very different cultural experiences, worshiping Jesus. And universally, we have these promises with the, the most down-and-out person in India or the most affluent person in Chile or anything in between. You have all the promises or none of the promises. But the apex of the promises of God are the new life in Christ, victory over sin, victory over the devil, victory over the grave, and to live the abundant life that he's called us to. And it's a life of faith, for we are saved by faith, and we walk by faith, not by sight. So really, if we're growing in the Lord, we're going to grow by exercising faith and God stretching us out of our comfort zone. Because that famous quote Pastor Chuck used to say, the difference between a rut and a grave is only depth and width. And if we're not being stretched by faith, we're just going into a rut, which can just become a grave, depth and width. 
the promises. Now, last week we talked about how we often think of the promises of God as they apply to Greg Laurie filling the stadium for the 30th anniversary of the Harvest Crusade or someone believing God for healing from cancer, those types of things. But those promises are there for every believer equally. God's no respecter of persons in that sense. But what we talked about last week, and we're going to continue that tonight, is the promises of God for you personally. And we talked about if you're reading the word of God and you're filling your mind with praise songs and you're, you're, you're dialed into the frequency, you're dialed into the frequency of the Holy Spirit in your life and how he's speaking to you with what he's doing in your life. And you, you set things before him and he opens doors and he, he opens doors and he closes doors. And you, you're, you're, you're completely sensitive as a whole disposition to be alert to things of the Lord. This is obviously not Sunday religion we're talking about here. We're talking about the new life in Christ, the abundant life and the joyful life that Jesus talked about, regardless of external circumstances. It's the life in Christ. In losing our life, we find it, and our life belongs to him. And Jesus said that he has to have supremacy over any relationships, any dreams, any pursuits, even your own self-preservation. See, we have all the promises, and we're to hold fast to the promises, or as the song says, hold on to the promises. And they're for you. The apex, the high tide watermark, is your salvation on the day of Christ Jesus. Joy, why do you always say that? Because you're going to have to die. And you're going to get old, and your body's going to break down. And your memory might get fuzzy. And your hips might be broken. And you might use a walker, and you might be in a wheelchair. And you might end the journey in a bed with people dressing you and undressing you. And I want to make sure when I get to that day and you get to that day, you know what promises matter. The promises that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and he died on the cross for your sins. And he's raised for your justification. But until that day, we want to be fruitful like Abram, who became Abraham. And let's think about that name change upgrade. It's an expansion. And We talked about this a bit last week with the promises, and we're just going to do part two right now. When we think about the promises of God for you, as we're growing in the Lord, as we're pressing into the Lord, and as we're prioritizing the kingdom, the promises take on a fuller, deeper meaning as you see them applied to your life. And you invite, like the Bible says, seek, knock, and ask. Jesus said that, and you'll find, and it'll be open to you, and you will have. And Jesus said, To him or her who has, more will be given. And the key element of this story of Abram becoming Abraham and Sarai becoming Sarah is to them who had, more was given. And it was given not because they tangibly held more, but their faith did not waver. And you go back to Sarah in Hebrews 11. It says about her faith, she counted him faithful who promised it. So even though in the next chapter we're going to see her laughing when the Lord and the angel show up like, hey, she's going to have a baby next year. She's like, ha, ha listening through the tent. And then the Lord says, like, why'd you laugh? She goes, I didn't laugh. And he goes, no, but you did. <laughs> and Isaac means laughter, the, the, the miracle child. But even in all of her humanity and how she, what she did right or did wrong, and here's Hagar, worst idea ever, right? What woman wouldn't regret that? Mentioned this Tuesday night. Can you imagine 13 years at the dinner table in the Bedouin tent with the woman who was with your husband intimately and gave the child? Like, that plan didn't work. But she's in the hall of faith because she counted him faithful who promised. So here's Sarai, 
my princess, her dad called her my princess. Isn't that cool? In early Chaldeans, 4,000 years ago, dad said, my princess. There's nothing new under the sun. This is baby girl. And God says, mother of nations. It's the upgrade. Sarah to Sarah is an upgrade. Everything Jesus Christ does in our life is better. We go from glory to glory. Though the outward woman is perishing, the inward woman is being renewed daily. And we don't look at the things that we see, but we look at things that are unseen. And they're not worthy to be compared to what you can see by what you can't see. And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians, now we see dimly in a mirror, but then we'll see in full glory. I prayed with a 92-year-old woman last night at a wedding reception, and I've known this lady for years, and she says, Joey, you're fuzzy. I've gone blind. And she saw my form going by, and I was leaving, and I went over, and she said, it was so good to see you. And, and, and I said, well, I don't know if I'll see you. You'll go to the king before I get to the king, but let me tell you this. When you see Jesus, he will not be fuzzy. So you say hello to Jesus in clarity, and you leave Pastor Joey behind fuzzy. Because you're going from glory to glory, and I kissed her on the head and prayed blessings over her. That's what I did. That's who we are. And that's truth, what I spoke to her. We're going for the upgrade. This mortal must put on immortality. This corruptible must put on incorruptibility. This terrestrial must put on celestial. And as we look at the promises that God made, we talked a little bit about this last week to Abram, progressively they're upgrades without once anything happening to affirm that any of it was coming to pass yet. That's the amazing thing about these promises of God. You just have to believe them in your life. And even if you like John the Baptist, oh, are you the one who look for another? Or the man like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. So hold on to the promises. God said, come to this land. He says, Get out of your country from your family into a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, a great nation. Then he got to the land, and he said, all this land is yours. So walk the land, see the dust, all of it, it's yours. And if you could count the dust, your descendants are more than that. Okay, another decade goes by, whatever. Then God says, now look up at the stars. So he went to, the promises went terrestrial to celestial. And God says, now look up. If you could even count those stars, your descendants would be more than that. And Abraham believed God. But in this chapter 17, these promises get an upgrade. And this is what I'm really, this is my word to the body of Christ in autumn of 2019. Because this is what I shared at the wedding in the ceremony. I said, hey, you got fresh manna, cut it up. You're getting married, two people in their 50s getting married. Hey, going from glory to glory, the best is yet to come. It's an upgrade. Right now, it's all about upgrades. It's all an upgrade. I got a phone upgrade this week just because. You know, like, I just, my phone was doing weird stuff. I got an upgrade. You gave me a conversation with the millennials at the wedding. Dude, you, how do you like the love? I'm like, hey, the photos are incredible. There's an upgrade. But, but then you got to do all the upgrade stuff, right? It's an upgrade. See, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life till the day of Christ Jesus is upgrade the promises in you. Christ in you the hope of glory. It's God who wills and works in you for his good pleasure. He wants to upgrade glory to glory and expanding. It's an expansion. And so here in chapter 17, God says, your name gets an upgrade, but nations, and now he adds to the promise, kings. 
So to Abram, he goes, I'm going to, the upgrade is kings. See, he hasn't mentioned kings before. Okay, well, what kind of kings? Like Esau kings? I mean, those are descendants of his. So actually, technically, the Edomite kings that we get later in this book, they're, you know, it's, yeah, it's all right. It's a pretty good little run through Esau. But the great kings, David, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, Josiah, and then the king of the Jews himself, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who also, of course, when he returns in his second coming, is the king of kings. And yet, they still even have conception in Sarai's, now Sarah's, barren womb. Isn't that amazing? Meditate on that. There's a lot of things that distract you during the week, and me too. So let's meditate upon that. There are not one, I guess let's start this message out. They are no closer to this being to pass than when they left Ur the Chaldeans decades before. And each time the promises are affirmed, they're going deeper. Why and how? They're going deeper because they have not wavered. In spite of their shortcomings, they are holding on to the promises. And so it doesn't matter what the doctors say. It doesn't matter who's in the White House or who's in Congress or Supreme Court or who your new boss is, who your old boss was, and this and that and the stock market, blah, 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 and all this stuff and everything else. It's upgrades for you when we seek the Lord on a daily basis. And though it may seem like things are contrary against us, they're really for us. Because all things are working together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So even the perceived setbacks or injustices that we might experience, and the body of Christ has experienced a lot of them for 2,000 years, they're upgrades. It's the upgrade in our character for eternity. It's the upgrade in understanding the promises that they apply to our life and what we're learning in its each season of life. It's deeper, stronger, farther, wider. It's expansion. It's exponential understanding of the glory. And if you think about this, it says in Ephesians that God's going to need all eternity, a whole other dimension, help us understand the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So our finite minds are trying to understand that God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and rise from the grave for our justification. But when we're in full glory, it's still going to just be going from glory to glory to glory. See, apart from Christ, we're leaving our glory. And there are just no promises, in essence, other than you're a son of Adam, a daughter of Eve. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the journey if you can. Share the journey, hopefully. But when it's over, it's over in that sense and it's accountability to the Lord. But see, we're going to glory. So I love to read church history and read about men and women who've just given so much in previous generations and did not hold back. It's when I admire people who take great steps of faith and just go for things. Like all those times, Bobby, you go to Dominican Republic to do ministry at Christmas time. I'm like, I don't like to do anything at Christmas time. I like to have Tuesdays shut down at Christmas time. I need a break. I want a break. You go away on your break. I love it. That stuff inspires me. When people do stuff like that, it inspires me. Any teenager comes to us and says they're going on a mission trip, we just get out the checkbook. It inspires me. We want to inspire them to go for it and never look back and know that when you take steps of faith, God will always be with you with those steps of faith. We speak life and we want to build up people. But these promises, they're for you. It's not just for Bobby to go to the Dominican Republic or Sarah Yardley to be in England or all the different places people go. Brian McDaniel and the gasoline crisis in Haiti right now and all they're trying to do is cross the light for their nine church plants over there right now. It's not just for Jennifer Monroe to be thinking about where she can go next. She went to Afghanistan, Tunisia, and Turkey this year. Where did we go? 
How far will we go? In our prayers, in our time. How much do we want to know those promises? Those promises are pretty safe when you're getting frustrated with people in traffic and 405 road construction going on from here till the king comes back. <laughs> right? Like, two, who puts a sign out construction through 2023 or something? Like, 2023? I mean, give us some hope, right? <laughs> and we get frustrated with stuff like that. Like, how much faith do you need there except just not to get frustrated with people or vice versa? No, you see, when you are walking by faith and living by faith. And he had a lot of possessions, but those possessions didn't hinder his perspective of faith. Then the promises go deeper, farther, wider, stronger. They expand. And it's God's heart for each of our lives that his promises would expand in our lives. He said here in verse 6, excuse me, verse 5, he says, to Abram, I have made you a father of many nations. See, there's great confidence in this statement in that it's already a done deal. God's saying, I have made you a father of many nations, but none of those nations exist. God sees the end from the beginning, and he's like reverse engineering it. He is basically saying, I know how this ends. You are a father of many nations, and nothing is going to stop that from happening. Not Chetel Aramar and his coalition of kings are going to war against you. Nothing is going to stop you. You are unstoppable. In God's will, we are unstoppable. And that's why it's so important to seek his will for your life, to apply his promises as they apply to your life so you can fulfill those purposes of your life, whether it's a short life or a long life. We certainly want to be a quality life of obedience. But God speaks as it's already done. I talked about this last week a little bit too. But he'll show us sometimes what he's going to do. Sometimes he won't. Like, he'll tip the cards, but we don't have all of it, but we, we're called to go do it. I asked someone earlier this year, how do you do it? Like, how do you go to these close countries? You're like, well, sometimes you need to pray. Sometimes you need to talk. And they say, sometimes you just got to go. I'm like, no kidding, huh? Pretty deep theology right there. It was a great answer. It's like, how do you do this? Like, hey, you know, there's a time to talk. There's a time to pray. There's a time to go. It's time for action. And you see... God said, I've made you. It's past tense. He's already a father of many nations, and he doesn't have any nations. He doesn't have the son of promise yet. And that's very encouraging to me. And before you leave here tonight, I want you to apprehend what this means to you. God has a predetermined plan for your life, personally. Now, of course, he has predetermined things for the universe, collectively. But for your life, personally, he knows the hairs on your head. He knows the day is fashioned for you, when as yet none of them were there, Psalm 139. And his thoughts for your good thoughts. And there are things he has just for you that only you can fulfill. There's a fullness he wants you to be. And as you're yielded to him and fully all, all in with him, and this, of course, applies to me too, you can be walking in that fullness of what he wants you to be. And you can fulfill it. None of us is perfect. And we can't get caught up like, I'm less than I could be. It's really about he's all we need. And abiding in him and not missing what he has. But I will make you. So we have to ask ourselves, are we who we're supposed to be? And are we willing to be who we're supposed to be? Because God says to him, I've made you a father of many nations. So in a sense, Abraham's already got that. He believes that and he's walking in that. But he doesn't see any of that. Are we believing and walking in who we're supposed to be, who he's called us to be in the plans and purposes he has for our life? Because it's already a predetermined plan. It's like, 
It's like the Christian song, Bulletproof. You know, it's like, it, it came out a couple of years ago. It was on air one. It's like, Bulletproof. It's like, you can't, I have it in my DJ set. It's a great song. It's like, basically, you can't be stopped when you're in God's will. Yeah, it's like, it's a great song. It's like, yeah. It's got a nice beat, too. So, it's solid. And that's what we are. So, when David, it's like that song, it's a, it's a new song out there. It's like, you know, so Be My Confidence. That song, Be My Confidence, right? So, like, David... In the fighting the giants or in the wilderness. It's like, that's who you are. That's who we are. But we need to apply those promises that we've seen for our life. And we need to be willing to go for it with what it has for our life. And go for it doesn't mean you need to go anywhere. It just means you need to wake up and be who you're meant to be and be yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And he also said, not only I've made you, but he says, I will make you. So he reverse engineers his whole life and says, I've made you a father of many nations. I know the end from the beginning. I'm telling you, this is how it's going to play out. But then he says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. So there's a present and a future. So he's like, I got the end game. I'm reverse engineering. I'm telling you, you're a father of many nations. Walk in that promise. Live that promise. Be that promise. But I will make you here and now, time, space, and matter, where are we at? I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and you'll be many nations, and kings will come from you. So we have the hope of the fullness of God's plan for our life, or his work of art, that Ephesians 2.20, excuse me, Ephesians, yeah, 2.10, Ephesians 2.10 tells us where his work of art, that's engineering, reverse engineering what we're meant to be. What your life is meant to be when you get to the end of it, in the life of the Spirit. But we don't know so much how that's going to be, but we know that the end the Lord intends is good, like James testifies of Job's life in the New Testament. So we have today, I will make you. So he says to us, I will make you fruitful. Do you want to be fruitful? Because the Bible tells us to be spirit-filled is to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. Jesus tells us to bear good fruit. We're told to bear the fruits of righteousness. We're told to be fruitful. We're told the parable of the soils, and the one soil is really good, and it produces fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. That's who we want to be. That's a self-determination for us that we're willing to pursue with passion the things of God and go all in for them. Right here in our little world, our little Jerusalem, or to the ends of the earth, that's what we're called to do. But to be fruitful is today. See, we cannot change yesterday. We can't change anything in the past. Again, doing a wedding for a couple in their upper 40s, early 50s, and it's, it's a reboot. And I said, I was honest. I said, you know, we're not young, but we're not old. You know, 50s not so bad when you're looking at, you know, 60s and 70s. It's like, there's, there's a couple good decades there. You take care of yourself, and God's good, and you find, like, no one wants to end the journey alone. You, you all know that, right? I hope you know that. No one, you know, it's two's better than one, Solomon said, and there's, it's true. But we have today. And the Holy Spirit says for all of us today, to the church of Jesus Christ around the planet in all different languages, he says, I will make you fruitful. If you're willing to yield to the Lord, I will make you fruitful. And your fruit isn't the the masses that you reach. The fruitful is what God's doing in you and through you. And I'll make you fruitful. I'll make you more like Jesus. And what could be more fruitful than that? It's good for everybody. We talk about it regularly. I will make you fruitful. And it does get better. As you get older, you lose freedoms. 
I'm realizing that. As I'm approaching 60, I'm realizing there's just certain things that just don't go the way they used to for me physically. All these afflictions with my back, it, it, it really is related to surfing. And people ask me, do you surf? They always want to talk about surfing. I'm like, you know when I surf, I'm basically somewhat crippled for long periods of time now in excruciating pain. There's no way that looks good enough for me right now that outweighs my fear of the pain that my back has caused me this year. It's like good for the young people. And it just is what it is. But though the outward man, the outward woman's perishing, the inward woman, the inward man is being renewed. And so you see the glory gets greater and greater through the character and the transformation of the Holy Spirit. And so whatever glory is fading, our, our name, who even remembers, who cares? Our glory of men, who remembers and who cares? Our mistakes, I don't want to remember. And I'm sorry for those who do care. And I want to put it under the blood. So we have today, I will make you fruitful. So let's be fruitful with today and know that God's got the plan all the way to the end, what he wants to do. And let's make it that objective to be open and all we're supposed to be believing the promises of God in and through Jesus Christ for our salvation, our sanctification, and our calling in him.